Star Wars 7x7 episode 2439. Today we're doing another Mando Memo episode and we're going to be talking about Moff Gideon today, what we learned about him in season two of The Mandalorian. And he is the key to a lot of mysteries that have yet to be unlocked in the series. Punch it. <laughs> I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, of course, the main characters of The Mandalorian are The Mandalorian <laughs> and Grogu. They appeared in the most episodes in Season 2. But when you step down from the two of them and look at the supporting characters, well, Moff Gideon is the guy who appeared in more episodes than anyone else. Although, you know, he only appears kind of briefly in a couple of them, and via hologram only <laughs> in one. That, in fact, is his first appearance in Season 2 of The Mandalorian in The Heiress, where we find out that he apparently has such incredible command over his people within the Empire that he can send them off to their deaths and they will just say, okay boss, let's go. And that I suppose is sort of a natural extension to what happened at the end of season one when we had the two scout troopers talking with each other about how, oh yeah, the guy comes into town and he wants to show everyone who's boss by you know killing a whole bunch of people and whatnot and laying down the law. Well, you know, this is a different sort of laying down of the law, but he just says, you know, yeah, you can't let, you know, this get into the hands of the Mandalorians, you can't be captured, so long live the Empire, and the captain's like, okay, blang, blang, to the pilots, and tries to take the ship down, which doesn't work, but then, you know, chews an electric suicide pill, and, you know, takes himself out that way, so... Yes, Moff Gideon's effect and control of his Imperial Remnant is darn near absolute. Now here's the thing about Moff Gideon. The title of Moff, I think we have to be a little bit uh, careful of it, I guess I'll say. And the reason why I'll say that is because we do know from season one that he was previously part of the Imperial Security Bureau, which is the you know, sort of internal FBI-like organization, except they are loyalty enforcers for the Empire, so going way beyond what the FBI does. Uh, that's where he is best known, but now he has risen to the rank of Moff, at least we presume, but there are other Star Wars stories that have talked about the time period after the Battle of Endor, after Return of the Jedi and the fall of the Empire, when people sort of just moved up the chain and you know took titles for themselves and started calling themselves Moffs or Grand Moffs, even though they hadn't been through the formal promotion process and they just said, oh, you know, I'm now in control of this sector or now I have control of this Imperial Remnant. I'm calling myself a Moff. So it's possible that he promoted out of the ISB and became a Moff legitimately, but, you know, we have to take it with a grain of salt, basically. And we find out that his particular Imperial Remnant is really well connected when it comes to the projects that the Empire has going or had going and is you know somehow making them still continue to happen. Particularly I'm thinking of two projects that we witnessed. One of them with the experiments on 
people. We don't know what kind of people or for what purposes just yet. We can just presume because of the Snoke-related music and the weird bodies that were in those tanks that we saw in Chapter 12, The Siege, that he is involved in experimenting with you know, clones or strand casts, if you will, to try to see whether he can give you know, new bioengineered people force powers. And, and he also has control of a platoon of dark troopers, or at least did, until Luke Skywalker showed up and wiped those all out. Who knows if that's all of them, but there was certainly a good supply of them, and it was something that was being worked on. They were not quite ready by the time we first saw them in the series, and they were you know, ready to be deployed finally in time for the tragedy and kidnapping Grogu, but it seemed like it was a work in progress that had not hit the ready, set, go situation until, just in time, in <laughs> a very timely fashion, the attempt to kidnap Grogu. Then, of course, there's the Darksaber, and we saw him with it as a stinger at the very end of season one of The Mandalorian. Now, we knew that he you know, had some part in the Imperial Purge, that he had some significant level of awareness of Mandalorian culture and Mandalorian people, and you know probably access to some database of Mandalorians or something, that that's how he would be able to identify Din Djarin in theory, but he is steeped in knowledge when it comes to Mandalorian culture, and we find this out as a result of the events of Season 2. The fact that he knows about the Darksaber and the stories around the Darksaber and who is supposed to hold it and the circumstances under which a Mandalorian can actually legitimately claim ownership to it, this means that he has been you know, deeply involved with Mandalore. I mean, I suppose it's possible that maybe he's just <laughs> been hanging out on his cruiser, waiting for Grogu to get recaptured and had a lot of time to kill and so just read up a bunch of things, but I don't think that's really the case. It really seems more like he was very much involved in wiping out Mandalorians with the Purge and quite possibly is the guy who took the Darksaber from Bo-Katan, so you can imagine why she would be harboring a grudge against him. Certainly she you know, wants it back and knows that if an Imperial has it, that she doesn't want him to have it. So that could certainly be enough motivation for the kind of behavior we saw from Bo-Katan during the series, but it seems like it's a lot more personal. And yet, and yet, when we saw Moff Gideon fight the Mandalorian, and he had the Darksaber, Moff Gideon did, and the Mandalorian had the Beskar Spear, Moff Gideon was clearly not a skilled swordsman. He was not you know, very well you know, practiced with this thing at all. And so that in itself also makes you wonder how it is that he got a hold of the Darksaber if it was beating Bo-Katan in combat somehow, or you know, maybe it wasn't that direct, maybe it wasn't one-on-one -on -one in that way, and maybe he doesn't care, <laughs> you know? Maybe it just matters that 
what Mandalorians think about how it should be passed on among Mandalorians is what matters most. And as far as him getting it, he didn't have to necessarily get it through typical Mandalorian honor type means. He could have just, you know, laid waste to stuff and been part of the purge and just, you know, took it from her without the traditional kind of combat that Mandalorians expect. But now he is in the custody of the Mandalorians and what are they going to do with him? Well, it seems like he is most likely going to be turned over to New Republic Justice, but as opposed to Grogu leaving and, you know, all of us thinking, oh man, is that it for Grogu? Are we not going to see him again in the Mandalorian series? I find it hard to believe that we wouldn't see Moff Gideon returning in a subsequent season, whether it's three or four, if they, you know, give Moff Gideon a break for a while while they focus on the Mandalorian aspects of things with Bo-Katan and the Night Owls and also the armor and whatever happened to the remnant of Mandalorians, the Covert, excuse me, that was on Navarro and wherever other Mandalorians are in the galaxy. Like, they've got fertile storytelling stuff to pursue that doesn't necessarily involve Moff Gideon, but goodness, I cannot imagine a Mandalorian world where he doesn't come back to menace everyone in some fashion or another. And I'd love to hear what you think about this, whether you think we're done with Moff Gideon or whether you think he'll be back in season three or if we're not gonna see him for even longer than that. Please chime in YouTube, Facebook, or home base for the show at sw7x7.com. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. I hope if you enjoyed it that you will share it far and wide with Star Wars friends and fans that you know and think would really enjoy it. And it just remains for me to say, thank you so much for joining me for this episode, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.